Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. It's kind of a timely episode. I actually made this episode the day before I released it because these Supreme Court nomination hearings are going on, and I wanted to tell people about what a sham it was, and so that's why I'm putting it out. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell them the truth. The kind of truth I tell you here that most people have never heard in all the media they consumed. I'm also a self-certified master practitioner. I gave myself that award a long time ago for figuring out the scam, and I recently earned myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for my podcast, and that's uh, I'm just very, very proud of that. <laughs> all right, enough fooling around. Let's go ahead and get this going. So I want to make a show about the Supreme Court because, once again, the Supreme Court nomination process is going on. This ridiculous, preposterous, kabuki theater that goes on every time there's a vacancy. And, of course, now it's this Katanji Jackson Brown lady, black woman, I mean... <laughs> Uh, is there any doubt the woman's going to get confirmed? How can you, as a Democrat, vote against her? And tons of Republicans will vote for her because you just can't criticize her, not in any legitimate way. And so it's just complete theater. But what I want to discuss isn't so much this ludicrous theater that goes on that people pretend is legitimate and that there's this process going on. Oh, it's a holy process. People have no idea what the Constitution actually says on really anything. The misconceptions, the total and complete ignorance about the Constitution, those things are all intentionally put into people's heads. And they do that so they can just rule over everybody. And the constitutional conservatives, I just detest those guys in media so much because they are the people who are the gatekeepers for people who would want real freedom, but who then, when they're looking around for freedom and don't like what the so-called liberals do, they gravitate to these constitutional conservatives who just lie to them endlessly about every kind of topic and hide every kind of topic that actually matters. These things like inflation, that's a huge problem right now, is a great example. The constitutional conservatives never mention the fact that the entire fake money system that we run on under the Federal Reserve is utterly unconstitutional, completely and totally unconstitutional. There's a constitutional provision that specifically says that states can only accept gold and silver in payment of debts. And of course, the states accept these fake Federal Reserve notes all the time. It's a note. It's not an actual product. It's a note. It's an obligation to pay. It's totally impossible to pay the national debt off with dollars because the dollars are simply another way to create debt. And just these kinds of things are such simple, basic things. And yet, after 12 years of mandatory government schooling, nobody knows any of it. And after most people go through economics classes and everything else in these government-backed academic situations where they're all the student loans are now all government loans, 
and you have funding and and you have grants and everything else and you have all these giant corporations they all work together because they all feed off this fake money system and the constitutional conservatives never discuss it they never discuss it and the supreme court is really such an essential piece of the scam and i've made shows about it before but since there's a nomination going on i want to show people just how totally and completely fake the entire thing is so you've got this show the Senate puts on with this limited amount of time for questions, two minutes or three minutes or some crap. The nominees are all, I, you know, I can't comment on that and predict how I would rule and blah, blah. They have all these ways they get out of it. And it feels like, for most people, a legitimate process that's this august constitutional thing. But it's not. There's absolutely no reason in the world why we have to go through this ridiculous show and why it's conducted like this. It's just something that's been made up by the Senate. <laughs> this is completely made up. And when I tell people that, they can't believe it. They think this is a constitutional procedure that's going on, this ridiculous kabuki theater. It's not. There's literally nothing in the Constitution that says how the Senate must behave. None. Here's all it says. Okay, Here's all it says about the so-called nomination process. The president shall have power by and with advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties provided two-thirds of the senators present concur, and he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be established by law. But the Congress may by law vest the appointment of such inferior officers as they think proper in the president alone, in the courts of law, or in the heads of departments. <laughs> I don't think people understand what that says and how important it is to understand the impact of that. There's no obligation that Supreme Court justices get a certain number of votes in the Senate. There's no obligation for there to be a hearing. There's no obligation for any of this stuff. It's strictly up to the Senate to determine what the advice and consent of the Senate is. Do I have to read it again? And he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not here and otherwise provided for. What does it mean? What does the advice and consent of the Senate mean? It means the Senate can come up with whatever it wants as advice and consent. And why is it constructed like that? Because at the time this was built, this ridiculous document that they created in secret, they had no authority to do, called for the fact that the Senate was equally represented by all the states. And the state houses in each one of those states picked the senators. So in effect, the states had to agree to whoever was going to go on to the Supreme Court. Of course, with the Senate having been blown up years ago and now just being probably the most corrupt body there is, since there's two guys from each state and just money gushes in, the advice and consent of the Senate is virtually meaningless, and it's almost always right along party lines. 
But they could have any type of procedure they want and call it advice and consent of the Senate. Anything they want. And in fact, there'd be nobody who could step in. So they could say the advice and consent of the Senate. Well, the, the Senate could say that all the senators have to agree. There's absolutely nothing that would stop the Senate from doing that, saying that we have to have all the Senate has to agree. 90% of the Senate, 10%, 1%, one senator. <laughs> they can make it anything they want. There's no body, no constitutional provisions, nothing. It was left in effect to the state's representatives to decide what they wanted to do as far as procedures to put these so-called Supreme Court justices in. That's it. There's, there's no other way around that. There's no other way around it. So this idea of the nomination process being this thing, and it's been codified in some form or fashion, these Senate rules, and you only get X amount of time, they go through, the, it's all crap. They have to have a vote, and they can get a certain number. It's all made up. See, it's 100% made up. How many people know that? How many knew that before I told you? How long have you been consuming media, right? You've been consuming all this constitutional conservative media your whole life, liberal media, all the arguing, all these different justices that have been nominated and gone through this ridiculous jacked up process. No one ever told you the truth like I just did. Because constitutional conservatives are controlled opposition there to make sure everybody stays inside the Overton window that they've created in order to be ruled. <laughs> it's just that simple. I'm going to read you another little thing I think is probably going to blow most people's minds. People who listen to my show and have heard all my shows, certainly anybody in Patreon, they know. Types of provisions I want to talk about have to do with the fact that there's absolutely no obligation, no constitutional obligation, no constitutional provision that discusses anything about who Supreme Court justices need to be. They don't have to be lawyers. They don't have to be lawyers. There's no obligation for them to be lawyers. There really weren't law schools when the Constitution was written. So the idea that you'd be a lawyer, all that meant it was somebody who studied the law and then kind of practiced in courts. Just a completely informal process. But there's no obligation whatsoever for Supreme Court justices to be a certain age. They don't have to have any kind of training. They certainly don't have to be lawyers. There's absolutely no discussion of who they might be. As you just heard when I read you in Article 2, what it is the president is supposed to do. He just nominates some people with the advice and consent of the Senate. They get confirmed. That's it. It could be anything. Anything at all. <laughs> uh, it's funny to me that people don't get this. See, they don't understand that the Supreme Court being packed with these useless fucking government bureaucrats. And that's all they put on there. If you haven't been a judge, most of the time an appellate judge, you're not going to get on there. So you have to be basically a lifetime government employee. The vast majority of them go from law school to some kind of clerking position, meaning that they work as an assistant. Most of the time at the Supreme Court themselves, they come out of these these extremely, extremely prestigious law schools where they just are brainwashed about utter shit and probably don't even know what I've already just told you. So they vet them by making sure that only people who can say yes, regurgitate horse shit sufficiently in elementary school can get into colleges to sufficiently regurgitate to do well enough in these good colleges in order to then get into a good law school. 
because it's very, very competitive. So they've already massively reduced and sifted the types of people who might ever be sitting on the Supreme Court by just that very system itself. The idea that the United States has a right in some form or fashion, that any of these states have a right to limit the people who can sit on the Supreme Court only to lawyers who've run through this preposterous government brainwashing system sufficiently long and then been judges ruling on behalf of the government is absurd. People can't see that the Supreme Court should have all sorts of different kinds of people on there. And what people don't understand is that the Supreme Court itself could have any number of justices at all. And in fact, the number has varied often. And in fact, I did an entire show that showed people that the number was manipulated massively around the Civil War. And it was all about trying to get a fake money system put in so that people would have to use these certain kinds of currencies that the government said. (laughs) And they moved the numbers up and down in order to get there. But every single thing you know about the Supreme Court, think you know, is not true. I think if you're going to have a Supreme Court and you're going to have them be the final say in cases, which is all they are. See, they're not the law of the land by any stretch of the imagination. All a supreme judicial entity means, it doesn't mean that they're the most powerful as far as being the greatest and that we all have to bow down to it. It just means that they're the end of the road when it comes to a case. That's it. They are the final say. And the Constitution doesn't even require that there be any other federal courts except for the Supreme Court. Congress could simply eliminate all the lower federal courts, just get rid of them all, and the only cases you would have would be cases that could be filed and heard by the Supreme Court. That's it. So there should be almost no federal litigation. See, the people didn't set a system up. They never agreed to the system where a star chamber of unelected people who sit for life would hear cases and talk about the stuff in secret and then write down anything they want, and therefore everybody has to obey that That doesn't make any sense. Nobody would agree to it, but people are so confused now, they actually believe that's the case because, again, constitutional conservatives. How do they explain how we get out of these problems with the courts? We're supposed to wait, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Wait, get organized, and then get the right kind of people in elected office who can then hold control of the Senate and get the right kind of president in there who can then make the right kind of nominations to go through this ridiculous kangaroo fake nomination process where the people aren't even answering actual questions. And if they answer the questions in one certain kind of way and then get on the court and act a completely different kind of way, they're never removed. See, they're never removed. And why is that? Well, because people believe they must be impeached. They must be impeached. There's nothing in the Constitution requires these judges be impeached. Nothing. This is utter nonsense. What does this Constitution actually say about it? Well, in Article 3, it makes it clear. The judges, both of the Supreme Court and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. That's it. That's what it says. They should hold it during good behavior. Well, look how wide open this is. The Senate gets to decide what advice and consent means, and the judges are sitting during times of good behavior. That's it. We're not held hostage to these courts. We're not. But constitutional conservatives would have you believe we are. Again, it's totally made up. This is not a lifetime appointment that you can't get them out unless you impeach, and there's nothing about that in there. Nothing. 
This is the problem with all these things. See, they're, they're completely and totally misrepresented to you over and over and over. So where do you find the provision that says they must or must not be impeached? Well, you have to go to Article 2, Section 4. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Okay. Does it say shall only be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other crimes and misdemeanors? No, it just says shall be removed from office on conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. And this is where the fundamental confusion arises. See, we're already in Article 2. That's the article for the executive branch, not for the judicial branch. That's Article 3. So they claim that the judges get removed by looking at Article 2, even though they should be looking at Article 3. And they lump it in with this statement that says that the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for conviction of treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors, and claim that the judges are civil officers of the United States. But that's not what this is about. See, it's confused by the fact that earlier in this same article, they described the nomination process all in one thing, which is that with the advice and consent of the Senate, that the president shall nominate, and then they list out ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not here and otherwise provided for. Okay. That's what they say, right? Well, if that provision actually applied and made it such that you must only impeach the justices of the Supreme Court, then the way it's interpreted makes no sense because of right now, the president can appoint an ambassador with the advice and consent but he can just fire the ambassador. Why can't he just fire justices on the Supreme Court? Why? Why would you include ambassadors, public ministers, councils, which just means things like the you know, Secretary of State and, and things like that. Those things all have to get this advice and consent of the Senate. Okay, well, they have to get that. So, can he fire them? Yes. Does he need the approval of the Senate? and an impeachment in order to fire his ambassador or his secretary of state? No. Well, why not? Why not? If this provision means what they say it means, that the officers in here who uh, are appointed by the president and then approved with the advice and consent of the Senate, which is all these people they list, if, if those people are the ones who must all be removed only by impeachment, well, then he shouldn't be able to fire his ambassador or his secretary of state. The only way that can be removed would be through impeachment. So what's actually going on here? <laughs> it's really very simple. The president, in Article 2, is elected. So he can only be removed by impeachment. 
and the people the president hires to serve him, he can fire anytime he wants. But if the presidential administration is completely out of control, well, then the Congress and the Senate can step in and impeach the president and the vice president or his counsels because the president's refusing to fire them. (laughs) You see that? It's completely different. This is designed to get to the president and his staff and the executive branch. has nothing to do with the judicial branch because nobody inside Article 2 that the impeachment provision applies to serves for a term of good behavior. They serve at the pleasure of the president who appointed them. That's it. And so this whole thing is constantly confused. If you look at Article 3, that's where they tell you that the justices sit for a term of good behavior subject to advice and consent of the Senate. So the Senate decides what advice and consent is to put these justices in there, and the Senate gets to decide what it means to be for a term of good behavior and how they might want to eliminate them. They can eliminate them any way they want. They're not subject to this impeachment provision in Article 2 to get rid of the justices. The impeachment provision in Article 2 is about the president, the vice president, and the, and the people who are under the executive branch. The judicial branch has its own entire article in the Constitution, Article 3. It makes no sense. You would never draft a legal document like they claim this is supposed to be interpreted, where the justices are nominated by the president and they are confirmed through advice and consent of the Senate and serve for a term of good behavior. And yet, the only way to remove them would be to have the Senate go and impeach them with the House. That doesn't, it's not mentioned at all. You'd have to mention that, that they serve a term of good behavior and can only be removed through impeachment. See, the president's not involved in impeachment. He's not involved. He has no say. Only the House and the Senate do. So why are they bringing in the House at all to this system of getting rid of justices? Why? There's no reason. It's not in the document. It's just that simple. If you just read the document and you understand it, the confusion comes from the fact that the president nominates the justices for the Supreme Court. It's true. And through the advice and consent of the Senate, they get approved. But those other people, the ambassadors and the ministers and the other people who also have to get confirmed by the Senate, they don't serve for a term of good behavior. They're not part of Article 3. Do people see this? It's really very simple and straightforward once you understand and look at the document and understand that document headings, sections, they matter. If a first-year attorney drafted this document up and claimed that what it meant was that the only way to get rid of judges who sit for a term of good behavior is for them to go through an impeachment provision, which is not referenced in the article for judges, but is referenced in Article 2 under the executive, um, you just say, dude, that doesn't make any sense. If, in fact, it was supposed to apply, if the impeachment provision of Section 4, Article 2, was supposed to apply to judges and justices on the Supreme Court, if that's what it was supposed to do, 
the provision wouldn't read as it does. This is how it reads. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment. It doesn't say the president, vice president, justices of the Supreme Court, and all civil officers of the United States. See, the justices are in their own department. They have their entire branch of government. They're not really a civil officer of the United States. Those are people who serve the president. Those are executive officers. <laughs> you see how it works. If the president's out of control, then the Congress can step in and get rid of them. If the courts are out of control, then the Senate just steps in however they care to describe it in a term of good behavior and makes up the rules the same way they've made the rules up about what it means to give their advice and consent. It's just really very simple. It's really very, very simple. And it doesn't matter whether the, the founders impeach judges or not. It doesn't matter. It's not required in the document. It's just not required. We're not beholden to these tyrants through impeachment in some form. The Senate can just dream up whatever rules it cares to with regards to what it means to serve a term of good behavior and implement those rules. And there's nobody could say anything about it. You're taught lies and people don't trust their ability to simply read the document themselves. You think these people who drafted this document don't know the difference between shall and shall only? <laughs> Silly. See, when you create a legal document like this, you can't create such obvious contradictions inside the document. The idea that they sit for a term of good behavior, but then they can only be removed from office by impeachment. Um, no, they sit for term of good behavior. If you were reading this document, it's not that long, and you caught this as a lawyer, you'd say, what we need to do is we need to make uh, Article 3 more consistent, and we need to say that uh, they sit for term of good behavior and can only be removed by impeachment. <laughs> you have to say something like that. Otherwise, you've created this obvious inconsistency the way they claim it's interpreted. But the reality is there is no inconsistency. It's just that the way they've interpreted it is utter bullshit, and it's not true, and we're not bound to it. See, we can get rid of these piece of shit judges and justices anytime we want. The Senate cares to. Anytime. They sit for a term of good behavior. And the Senate is, is the body that determines what that means, just like the Senate is the body that determines what is advice and consent. And the Senate determines that because the Senate is the state's representatives, and the entire government is being created in order to represent the states and to have something that the states agree to. So when you look at the document like that, like I'm showing you to look at it, well, it makes perfect sense which is, of course, absolutely nothing like the way you're told to look at it. <laughs> I don't know, people. It's just, it's so blatant and obvious, but it's not taught in law school, I can assure you. And I can also tell you right now that the Supreme Court would have absolutely nothing to say about any of the things I'm talking about. It's, it's, these issues are what are called not justiciable, meaning that the Supreme Court is not in charge of deciding what the Supreme Court rules are, how they sit, what they sit, how long they stay. No, that's up to the Senate. It's not justiciable. The Senate could come up with whatever rules it wanted. It could have provisions where they have to be reviewed every five years, two years, one year, whatever they want. <laughs> whatever they want. But see, they want to act like their hands are tied because they're all in it together. 
And that Supreme Court, by claiming it's the law of the land, and it's not the law of the land, by any stretch of the imagination, I'm not going to go over that in this show because I've gone over it before, and it takes a significant show to do it, but I've done shows on that. And it's not the law of the land, but they want it to be the law of the land because then they have this very, very small, powerful lever, which is they just need to get a few crooked people on there and one or two people on there, and that's enough. It's 5-4 decision, and now they impose whatever the hell they want on everybody in the country. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of people run around acting like they have to do it, and then it's it's wholly document. Everything about it is completely screwed up. See, everything about it. If you're going to have people in the Supreme Court, you really want to protect people, you need to put criminal defense lawyers on there. People who've never worked for government. People who've made their entire living fighting government. Not people whose entire careers has been designed around this government going from the U.S. Attorney's Office to the federal bench to the appellate bench, writing opinions about this crap, living in this bubble their whole lives, and then to the Supreme Court. <laughs> You're going to get the worst kind of people. And of course, that's what we get. But because the people are so snowed and have no idea what's going on, they believe it's all legitimate and true. And then when I come along and I point out these very simple things, they think I'm a kook and I don't know what I'm talking about. Though the document's clear as day for anybody who objectively reads it. And I just did. And I suggest anybody who wants to go look at Article 2 and Article 3 and read it and you'll see. It's short. The document's short. The entire Constitution's short. But these provisions are nothing. Just go look at them. They're basically you're interpreting a couple of sentences. That's it. And they're not complicated. And they're not confusing. They're not obscure. They're really quite obvious. It's The obvious thing is that they have completely and totally misinterpreted it all intentionally. They've been misinterpreted it all intentionally in order to lock you into a uh, prison. That's the problem. And so these hearings, I don't follow these stupid hearings. I don't care. This stuff is all pre-planned. If this Katanji Brown Jackson lady gets on there and wants to push trans rights or pedo shit, well, we'll all be told about how we have to get behind Trump or some other thing and get rid of them. And everyone has to watch the health of each one of these stupid uh, old crooks up there sitting on the star chamber. Oh, and they go step down. Oh, get another nomination. <laughs> Uh, it's all just theater, people. See, this is all theater. Everything the government does is theater. It's all just a gigantic scam. They're the enforcement arm of the international banks, and they're just there to create more and more power over the people and then just shove things down their throat and allow people behind the scenes to benefit. And now you see that the stuff that goes on with the Supreme Court nomination process, it's all just a joke. It's all a joke. 100% concocted by the Senate and their own rules. Nothing to do with the Constitution. Nothing whatsoever to do with the Constitution. No limitations in the Constitution about any of this stuff. None. Advice and consent. What the hell? That could mean anything. Interstate commerce. Look how they've interpreted that to benefit themselves. Right? It's always the same. Spending clause authority. That's all been interpreted just to benefit them. Screw the people. Every time, it's always the same. Sit for a term of good behavior. Oh, that means for life, and you can't get rid of them without impeachment. Oh, no. It does? Who says? <laughs> who says? The people who want to screw you. That's who. And then the constitutional conservatives and media who play their part as the Washington generals to the fucking globetrotters who keep you in a box. The people run around. They know nothing about this document. They act like they're fucking experts because they've read nothing but this 1950s-style government civics interpretations of a document that obviously doesn't do anything to limit the government or protect you for freedom. 
Nothing. It does the opposite. <laughs> we got to get back to it. <laughs> oh, wow. Whatever. That's what I wanted to tell you. Now you know. The whole thing's it's it's a preposterous show at so many levels. It's ludicrous. It's beyond belief that people take it seriously. And the very fact that you've never heard any of the things I've just told you here in this show is just proof positive that everything in the media is just a controlled load of shit. It's people are making millions and millions and millions of dollars lying to you. That's all. And the only way to get the truth out is for people like me, who are there a handful of people in the whole United States, I suspect, that know anything about what I just said. And, and none of them have the so-called credentials like I do, right? Oh, he's a lawyer. You don't have to be a lawyer to be able to read that document. <laughs> but people are so enamored with authority. They think if you're not a lawyer, whatever your interpretation of the document is, is worthless. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> it's not true. Anybody's free to read that document and make sense of it. Can you read English? Do you understand grammar and structure, words? Yes. Well, then your interpretation is just as valid as anybody else's. <laughs> uh, there's just no way to make sense of the document when you read it to be what they claim it is today. It is what I just told you. That's all. That's just the reality. So that's it. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to say anything else about it today. I'll probably do another show about why the Supreme Court's not the law of the land, but I've already done a couple of shows like that. So go look them up. They may be inside Patreon at this point. I don't know. But if you want to follow me, I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review on Twitter. And I want to thank those people in Patreon who support my show because, you know, I give people information they've never heard. And that's valuable because the only chance we have is to make sure that people find out the truth. It's the only protection you have against this insane system. So I try to tell them the truth. And people get pissed off at me and give me endless grief. But the people in Patreon, they put their money where their mouth is and they support me. And damn it, they're, they're good people. You know, it's a lot of integrity there. So, And as far as the movie goes, The Jones Plantation, I'm getting more and more excited about it. Uh, even though it's not going to come out to this fall after talking to the director. He says the scenes are great. We've seen a lot of good stuff. I think we're going to have a really good movie, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I played Mr. Jones. Larkin Rose wrote it. It's got a great allegory about getting out of chattel slavery and being put in debt slavery. So beyond that, I don't think there's anything else to say, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time. Legal man. Great show. Thanks so much. I get to take your shirt away. More quash. More quash.